Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. I think we're on. We're live. We're oh live? Oh my God. We're live. We're live. Okay. Boxes and Lions Usually how we do it at our office is I go three, two, one, and I go, Byron, you ready? You say yes. Yes. Eugene, you ready? Yeah. John, I don't give a shit. Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> I mean, give us a little fucking warning. I mean, Welcome, ah, everybody, right. to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Boxes and Lines. And this is our first God live bless. episode ever. Ah. Where are we? We are, at, we are at show This field. is actually not the first uh, oh. live episode. We did one during the pandemic, if you may. If you, don't yeah, you, you learn. We, anyway, are, we right, argue anyway, on the podcast all the time. We're still at Showfields, yeah. downtown Manhattan, <laughs> <laughs> Lafayette, and Houston. And Dispatch is hosting a three-day event, and so we wanted to host you. Thank you very much. So we're going to ask some basic questions to kick this off, because a lot of people in the industry listen to our podcast, no idea why, <laughs> but they probably don't even know that Dispatch is tied to IEX. Would you mind explaining what Dispatch is? And bear in mind, everybody's not in your Web3 crypto cool not DeFi everybody space. everybody is as cool and hip and yeah. included as we are. I'll yeah. give the very short version of a long, long backstory. Or do you want the long backstory? You, you, you can make it, it long. I mean, you can make it medium. Whatever, do whatever you want. I yeah, edit we'll out his shit off. all the time. So well, we'll if you're boring, we'll anyway. cut it out. I had a very unsexy idea about on-chain communications for investors like you have with proxies and prospectuses and annual reports. So we actually figured out how to shuttle information across a blockchain in an NFT. It's just an envelope. Anything can be inside of it. I met Brad while I was fundraising. He said, well, that's very interesting. Would you want to build that inside of IEX as sort of a standalone entity? For a long list of reasons, I said yes. And that has morphed into something much bigger in scope and scale. And we now talk about dispatch as distributed commerce, and I'll go deeper. I see Jr. looking at me like, "What the fuck <laughs> no, is I'm, all I'm, of that you just no, said?" I, it was a pensive look. I'm okay, looking at you okay. pensively. You're well, being. I think it's very interesting to tie it back into our business. So when we were originally talking to you, the impetus of dispatch, you know, there was a lot of chatter, you know, pre some stuff that happened last year about the SEC coming in and making these crypto assets, these tokens, actually register as securities. And if they were to register as securities, like stocks or securities, there would be obligations from these companies to communicate with the token holders. And th that's what you were talking about doing, but doing so over the blockchain. Is that exactly. correct? Exactly. Okay. Unpopular opinion at the time, two summers ago, I was going around town saying, come on, look, look at the TV. It's green and red, chart go up, chart go down. There's a percentage. I'm buying it. I'm hoping it goes up. And so I figured if they are securities... We're going to have to give them these reports. And if it's on a blockchain, you don't have an email address. You don't have a mailing address. So how would you then get them that message? So mm -hmm. we built an infrastructure to send messages. Cool. So that's, that's one application. But obviously, there's all kinds of things that you can do with this, uh, with this technology. And um, so you have um, you found a whole new vista of opportunities for using these <laughs> NFTs in the market. Just ignore him. Um, to uh, to promote commerce, digital commerce, correct, in the context of Web three. Does that does that make sense? Does that there, make sense there, to anybody? There'll be can a you, question in the rambling. Can at you some tell point. it? Well, first of all, can you tell us what the fuck Web three is? Uh, yeah, of, I'll give my version of it. Maybe, and Eugene, then we'll bring you. You can, you can give this. your version of it as well. Yeah. 
I think the biggest difference between Web 2, which may, maybe we should start there. What is Web 2? Users creating content interactivity on the web instead of it just being read only. But who owns that content? And what is, how do you log into the site? Who owns your login? Web 3 being more about the user owning their data, the user owning their login. So like when you go sign up for something, you fill out a big field and you just here, here's all my shit, take it. And then do whatever you want with it. Cause yeah, there's probably some terms somewhere that say you can. Web three is more like, yes, I'll give you just that one thing you need, but also you don't know who I am. Am I a person? Am I a country? Am I man, woman, child, adult? You don't know. I'm just a, I'm a wallet address doing this transaction. And so that's how I think of Web3 is it's people say permissionless or distributed. And it is all those things, but it's to me more about controlling your stuff. And I would imagine that that has kind of good or bad ramifications potentially. It certainly allows the user to be more in control of their interaction with whatever, uh, whoever's on the other side. But it also allows them to be anonymous, and sometimes, and if if you're anonymous, that means that you could do, do sort of sketchy things with less ability to be detected, maybe. Potentially, I think people do fucked up shit no matter what, whether you're detected or not. But then there's also like, I I own my stuff. There's no middleman, which is a perfect segue to. I like Eugene. Welcome to the podcast, yeah. Eugene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry that we ignored you till this point. All good. My name's Eugene. Uh, I lead uh, Global Brand Partnerships at Ledger. Um, I'm sure there's a definition for what Web2 and Web3 is out there the same way that at this point, everyone has a definition of who a millennial is, Gen X, Gen Z, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't even know what's the latest. Um, but for me, Web2 was uh, internet age and uh, IRL. Um and Web3, in my opinion, is opportunity for all. Um, we're now entering an age where um, self-custody is a hot topic, right? Um, we're now acknowledging that if you don't own your keys, if you don't own your assets, do you really own it? Like, if you don't have control over that, do you own it? We see, like, banks go insolvent. We see crypto exchanges go down. And Can you explain what owning it means that... Yeah, sure. Um, you have a physical dollar on you. You own it, right? You have those pair of shoes that you're wearing. They're physically on you, so you own it. When you have crypto and you don't have access to those keys, like you can't literally take them off the blockchain and keep them with you. Do you own that asset? And that's, that's a really big question these days. And at Ledger, we believe that if you don't own your keys, you don't own your coins. So this is a concept of self-custody. And I think that's really important because in Web3, this is, again, this is a, an era now where creators can now create and own their, their, their asset, right? They can, artists no longer have to go to universities and uh, be represented by a gallery to have a career. They can literally sell their art and have control over that. They can get royalties on that. They, they have control over that, that process. Not, not, and that just doesn't just apply for creators, right? That uh, can apply to your NFT project. That can uh, apply to your DAO. You can fractionalize uh, assets now. And these are opportunities that are present for all. Black, white, rich, poor. It's something that there's no limit to that entry. Well, and my ears perked up when you said royalties, because I'm thinking I'm, you know, we need to be yeah, yeah, a way to commercialize this, this fucking yeah. podcast. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I've worked in uh, sales trading. I've worked in uh, on the stock trading floor. And honestly, the systems that we grew up in, they weren't diverse. Like, I didn't grow up ever thinking that I'd be on a podcast with you guys right now. I'm sorry. I just, I never thought someone that looks like me would be speaking with you guys right now, talking about the next generation of creative custody that we're in. And, you know, for me, that's what, what Web3 really represents, this opportunity for all. I, I couldn't tell if you meant. I never thought my career would reach yeah. that kind of height. So well, I thought he I was never taking thought the piss. That I would like come to this, yeah. but yeah, I never thought I'd be here talking to you two. So <laughs> <laughs> you could take it one of two ways. But so Byron, we would let uh, tell us a little bit more about what Dispatch is focused on now um, in terms of um, brand awareness and company engagement with users and. Um, Anything you want to tell us about what you're what you're working on? Yeah, now? or like why we're here, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, this why week? why are we here? You are you're sitting in a in a store right now. Everything is for sale uh, using Dispatch. The interesting thing is all the merchants that are selling stuff use different backend systems. Someone has Shopify, someone has Magento, Adobe Commerce, someone else has Salesforce, someone else has some custom shit they made in the '90s that they still haven't updated. But in here, it doesn't matter. You walk up, you scan the code, a couple of clicks, you check out. You can pay with crypto. It's not, you know, it's it's basic vanilla stuff. Um, or you can pay with your credit card. And the idea is to make this sort of portable distributed commerce easy across merchants and across distribution channels. It can sit inside of a blog post on a website. It could sit inside of an ad. The ad is no longer just a picture of a pair of shoes. It's a whole shoe store. You click, pick your size, pick your color, check out, shipping, done. So it's physical, it's digital, and it opens up some really interesting things. Lacoste is one of the brands that's partnering with us this week. They are very much on the, I would say, forefront of actually doing stuff and not just sort of tinkering. Oh, we did one drop and the price went up or down. They actually have a physical space in their flagship arena in Paris devoted to Web3. There's clothing designed by the community. There's stuff for sale that you can only buy if you hold their Genesis NFT pass. And so there's a polo across the room over there that is for sale, but only if you own the pass. And so the dispatch commerce card which is here. It's also on our website. It can be on their website. It can be in the middle of a New York Times article. Checks for that and says, yep, you can buy it. And How do you get that pass? Their primary, when they first sold it, is sold out, but you can buy it on a secondary market. Maybe someone gets a royalty. Maybe they don't. I mean, that's the, the general gist. Is we've been calling it distributed commerce, and it just makes a lot of sense now that things live in multiple places. It's one more sales channel. And the way it morphed from investor communications as NFTs on the blockchain into this, that you would think, is there a straight line to that? There is. The NFT is just an envelope. We settle everything on the blockchain. It's, it's a magic box. The blockchain plumbing happens underneath it. Sometimes you don't even know it. You're putting your credit card information in. Someone yesterday said, is there anything crypto related to this? I was like, holy shit, success. We success, you know, like we divorced ourselves from like presenting as outer space crypto web three native, but it's pretty, it's honestly vanilla blockchain underneath it. I think it's magical mm. the way it all mm -hmm. works and it opens up a whole new world of, you know, you're on one system, you're on another, you want to collaborate, wire it up. You don't have to do any integration work, you know, Ronin season pass gives JR's customers 50% off and you don't have to do anything. It's, it's Never magic. Sounds, sounds I mean, good to you me. want a season pass NFT? <laughs> yeah. Well, what I think is interesting is that like, 
he's, t- he's talking about his Genesis Pass NFT, but for Web3, it's the Wild Wild West, right? And an NFT can come in all different forms. You can have it come literally as art. You can have it literally be a fan club for an artist. For, and when I mean artist, it could be a celebrity, right? They can usually actually use NFTs to connect with their fan base and figure out how to uh, provide value to them for uh, supporting them as a, as a talent. Uh, what else can an NFT do? NFTs, in my opinion, are going to be the future of in-app purchases for, e- for e- e-gaming. Like mm. all these games that you see today, um, I'm not going to name them, but they, they pay for in-app purchases to get weapons, skins, uh, costumes, etc. But they don't own them. They can't take those in-app purchases and move it to another game. They can't literally take it and store it with them if they wanted to. I know that concept seems foreign, but in the future, NFTs are going to allow, not even the future, right now, NFTs are allowing people to literally create in-app purchases where they will have interoperability with other games in the future. So over COVID, my son was playing this game, uh, Fortnite, right? And skins are basically uniforms. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe when I fucking saw that he spent $400 in uniforms Mm -hmm. over time. And it's just, it's literally uniforms. It doesn't even give them secret powers. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but you said it. So are you saying what that could mean if that was an NFT is he could go play another game and take his weird costume to that other game because it's his? I think that's a dream, yeah. right? Like, um, it's not Ronan's dream, but it's a, I'd like yes. my $400 back. Yeah. Oh, the $400 <laughs> goes further yeah. in this well, case. It, it, exactly. Right. Like uh, I can monetize pay- his insanity. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. or if yeah. he wants to sell it, he could. If, it, if it's an NFT, you can now take that purchase and now, okay, I'm, I'm done with this skin. Uh, I would like to sell it to someone else. He could sell it to you. You can buy yeah. it twice. <laughs> I probably, he probably did. Right? And not only is he able to sell it and, and either recoup money or make money, the original publisher now can make royalties on that, that sale as well, on that transaction. It's literally an opportunity for all. And, you know... New revenue streams. So, make- Eugene, we I think we skipped over really a proper introduction of <laughs> you and Ledger and uh-huh. kind of like what, what Ledger is and how it uh, – so maybe maybe we should do the honors of, of allowing you to do that. Yeah. Uh, Ledger, basically our core product is a hardware device. I'm wearing one right now that allows you to sec- – it secures your private keys. Mm-hmm. And basically you're it, – it's – the safest uh, product out there to store your your crypto or your NFTs or digital assets in general. And you're wearing it around your neck? I'm wearing it around my neck. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're wearing a nice watch. Well, I... Uh, <laughs> and the ledgers... I bought that on Canal The ledgers are for sale across the room, by the way, if, you, if they're for you sale. You can buy these things, yeah. Yes. You can buy yeah. these things. You can buy um, this product here. You yeah. can buy it on... Um, you can walk into a Best Buy and buy one. You can order it on Amazon, or you can order our, off our website. Uh, but most importantly, I think it's the future of what a wallet looks like. In a world where... Big, uh, in a world where crypto is widely accepted, hopefully... You know, it is the future of what you will be holding and using to make payments. So, if you, if you owned like twenty Bitcoin, you would hold it there rather than holding it in a Coinbase account. Is that what you mean by like it's a dollar not in your pocket? To the internet. Yeah. So that's that's like your dollar in your pocket. In yeah, it's not age. connected to the internet. If someone were to hack me on the internet, yep, they would get access to my wallet on the internet. That's called a hot wallet. Yep, this is a cold wallet. It's connected by Bluetooth and. Basically, no one can access to this unless I allow them to. 
So it literally is like a physical wallet, as if you were Correct. holding a wallet. In but your it protects your key, private keys on your blockchain. Mm-hmm. So someone could literally, you can snatch this off me right now, go home with it. You won't be able to do anything with it. You don't have the pin. You don't have the keys to it. Mm-hmm. And I can reset this with my private keys on another ledger. Oh, so yeah. stealing, it's not the right call. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's I was a confused about that. You, yes. Eugene, you're safe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised. There's people out there that store generational wealth on a ledger. There's people who go to jewelers and bling it out, you know, 14 karat gold, uh, diamonds, et cetera. <laughs> and they wear it around their neck. And it's no different than wearing a nice Rolex. It's a flex. Is there any way for anybody to know how valuable your flex is right now? Like you could have technically millions or yeah. Yeah. Technically you can look at, you can go check on my wallet on the blockchain because that's the whole point of the blockchain is transparent. Okay. So the public key, we could know that Eugene's a baller. Not the public key, but you can see my wallet address and see how poor I am. I tripped up there. (laughs) You look like a baller. (laughs) And now you're here talking to us. Optics, optics. God bless. Only in America. Your status has been upgraded or or not. Why don't we ask him the question I thought was strange. We learned that you are one of the world's biggest Spider-Man card collectors. Hmm. Uh, So I was asked to provide a bio, and I've (laughs) never written a bio about myself ever since I started working at Ledger uh, in Web3. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll throw him a curveball. Um, So, yes, I am one of the biggest Spider-Man card collectors in the world. I thought that was a cool fact just because it really applies to the way I think in the sense that everything I do, I have a collector's mentality. Uh, where there's trading cards, uh, archival streetwear, contemporary art, et cetera, et cetera. Almost every purchase I make that's a tangible good, I think about it from a collector's mentality. I assume there is a story behind how you became obsessed with Spider-Man. I don't know if that's a story we want to go into or not. It's like, it's your boy from Queens. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm not trying to make fun of you, but when I saw the bios today, I saw a lovely photo of Byron. So a lovely uh, photo of my friend uh, John, but yours is an avatar. Uh, and, it's a PFP. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, we call it avatar. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skin. <laughs> What's the story with that? Uh, that's my NFT um, yeah. that I I bought from uh, oh, okay. Artifact, which is owned by Nike, actually. Uh, so uh-huh. Nike's in Web3 now. And it's the project's called CloneX. And it was actually a purchase I made uh, after I accepted my offer. Uh, to Ledger. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be working Web3. I want um, an NFT PFP uh, to basically be my professional avatar. And is that is that a common thing in this business? Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's... Um, for me, I love the concept. Because Byron, what's what's going on? <laughs> I, I'm laughing because mine, since the day I started, I don't know if anyone at IEX has seen it. It's a, They're called MFers, which mm. is... MMFers for yeah. motherfuckers. Okay. Yeah. I, I, was, that's like I last was afraid level that's language, what it stood but, for, and I didn't want to probe, but uh, there we go. And it's a little lady mm-hmm. with black long hair smoking a cigarette. And so people, and it just has my initials sometimes. I J- love JBS. that, so actually. Like, I mean, it was like a cool weird, Weirdly, dude. I love that, and now I have people to look are at always it. Now I have to who, see it. Who, what, what, mm-hmm. who is this? Byron, is well, this really you? Well, you're our kind of MFer, and um, we're, I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I mean, I'm wearing my PFP on my watch. It's it's literally on everything I use. It's on my LinkedIn. It's on my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you look at it compositionally, it's basically, it looks like a student. And I describe myself as a shokunin, uh, which in Japanese is basically uh, an artisan that wants to master the craft. 
So I really taken that mentality and, you know, anything I go into, cause I've worked in finance, fashion, food and beverage. Um, I'm an art advisor to this day. I've worked in every different field and I, my goal is just to try to be the best I can be in that, in that field. We got to get one of those. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, oh, yeah. There, that's oh, there it is. That's oh it. my god! Oh, I that's love good. it. All right, no offense, Byron, it's, it's but really, it's way it's cooler. It's kind of creepy, <laughs> but I really kind of like it. I actually like him at first. Yeah, it's a great motherfucker. Anyway, <laughs> so this, Byron, when you were explaining, uh, you know, the fact that you can go on like an article and see a picture, or click on it, and buy it, you know, and that, and that's Web three. How how is that different than Web two? Like, can't you click on something today and go on? footlocker.com and buy a pair of sneakers. Like, how is that practically different? I think the biggest difference, you can, yes. You, I don't think you can buy a footlocker shoe in the middle of an article in, in a magic box. <laughs> I think the biggest difference is back to what my description of Web3 is. You can really take your login with you around the internet. It's almost like your own single sign-on. There's single sign-on, like you log in with Google. There's login with Facebook. This is login with your wallet, which you control and you own. So you're, you're authing in, you're signing something that says, yep, Ronan, this is my wallet. I, I want to connect. And then you connect and it's almost like you, when you di- click it, you're there. You click it, you're there, you're I in. Think. And it's like you've, you've got your bank account wired up directly to the checkout button and you're off and running. Okay. Switch over. Now you're in a metaverse. You're in an H&M metaverse, trying on outfits, shopping. I want to buy this thing. Connect my wallet, click, check out, ship. Did you create an H&M login? No. Now you're on a New York Times article. You're scrolling. I'm halfway down. I see an ad for the shoe. I want to buy it. Footlocker account, New York Times account? No, neither of the two. You just, your wallet. It's not a dispatch account. It's your wallet which is very portable in nature. And that I think is different. And sometimes people just use blockchain, honestly, because it's fun and it's cool yep. and it's new. And honestly, it's not the better technology choice. And, and, it's and shitty I, sometimes and, I and take slow. It, if I'm following you correctly, it's different because you are initiating all of these actions rather than waiting for stuff to be pushed to you and the deciding kind of like what. That some, too, I think, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you're much more in control. But in some cases, blockchain just is the superior technology to what we've mm. done for the last 30 years in terms of private databases and closed loops. So what, what are the, some of the specific ways that you are enabling companies and various kinds of brands to connect with their users, create kind of like a, a community and engage the community in ways that they can't do as well today? I think a good example... Let's take Joe Coffee as an example. They may not be so interested in Web3. We'll see next week. They don't have a Web3 community. They don't have an NFT project of profile pictures. But at the end of Thursday, there will be a list of hundreds of wallets who have connected to get their dispatch uh, refreshment pass for the week, which entitles them to Joe Coffee. There's suddenly, out of thin air a Joe Coffee community that mm. has been created back to the beginning of Dispatch that they can now send messages and communicate to and sort of open up new opportunities to. They're all social graphs, right? Your, your Twitter following, that's a social graph. Every holder of the Uniswap token, that's a social graph. Now we have a Joe Coffee social graph. 
that was created out of thin air where they didn't before. Or you're Lacoste, you already have one. You're deep in it. You've got your Discord community of holders that are super passionate, but you've sort of given them a new way to connect in. You say, hey, holders, this is only for you. But there's also sort of a second level. There's, there's 50,000 people in there. There's millions of people who want to dabble, but they're not ready to buy something with Ethereum or Polygon because they're like, what is, I don't know what that is. I don't know how that works. So we've sort of created a simple follow button. It's like following on Twitter, but magically underneath it issues an underlying token and voila, you have a, a graph of millions of people that you can now communicate to. And I mean, look, honestly, like you're creating chances for inducing FOMO. People are trying to sell more shit mm -hmm. to more people. Right. So we, we are facilitating that. Uh, but there, there are definitely some magical moments that can't exist in the way that web two does today. I think we're talking about different ways that we can utilize web three to spur commerce, right? Who's your favorite musician? The cure. The cure. They still alive. Yeah. They're coming to New York to tour. 20th, 21st and 22nd. <laughs> Just have to check. Um, all right. So let's say the cure is going to have a they're concert. They're so web too. <laughs> <laughs> they're, let's say they're going to have a concert in uh, New York and they want to be able to sell tickets to their diehard community and they don't want the bots to be eating up the tickets. They don't want this community to have to go pay, um, you know, 10 X for tickets on um, StubHub, et cetera, yep. et cetera. What if they had a fan club that was branded as an NFT? And then they token gated um, the amount, a certain allotment of tickets that are only for sale for the members of this fan club, which are the holders of the NFT. There's a use case for your, your uh, for the cure now. To yeah, no, it'd be great. Actually, it leads to a question I was just about to ask. So then what's the difficulty in onboarding, you know, not just bands or companies, like you said, Lacoste are doing something like how, how, do, how do you get companies or bands in your example to embrace something like this? Because it's very pertinent to like, you, you know, that whole Taylor Swift debacle. Mm -hmm. Nobody could get tickets even yep. in her fan club. That would alleviate that issue, wouldn't it? To me, it's education. Yeah. Right. When we hear the terms in Web3 right now, when we hear NFTs, when we hear tokens, I got to say, I'm not the most popular person at parties when I bring those topics up. Um, <laughs> Try working on Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get it. Uh, but Well, Taylor, if you're listening, and I think it's unlikely that you <laughs> are, but if so, it would be. that's She the, loves boxes and lines. So, yeah, okay. There you go. No, but it's like the, the stigma that comes in this space, and people only think of like the scams, the hacks. Uh, they think about all, all the negative press, but... It reminds me of early age internet, like 1996 AOL, where you're connecting with a modem and people are like, what are you doing on the internet? Why do you need the internet? I have my encyclopedias. Is like, it safe to put my credit card information in online? I remember yeah. the first time I got a plane ticket that I printed out and I went to the airport going, there's no fucking way I'm flying out tonight. So <laughs> may maybe it's the modern version of that. Or, or people you know, getting punted off the internet, uh, people getting hacked, um, scams on the internet. And there were people back then that said, oh, you know, the internet's not going to stick around. The same way that when MP3s came out and people who had CD collections, cassette collections, vinyl records, they're like, oh, why do I need digital music? I'm never going to switch that. I, ha I have my Sony Walkman. Uh, and lo and behold, the Roku started coming out, the Zune, the Sony MP3 player. And even then it was the MP3s didn't take off. 
It didn't take off until the iPod came in and created the iPod. Did I say Apple and an iPod? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Apple came in, created the iPod, created a beautiful product, and basically streamlined digital music. And then after that, people were like, I'm never going to pay for MP3s. I'm never going to pay for streaming music. And now I would say probably 90% of the people here have streaming music. Um, 99. Yeah. like everybody, everybody but John. Right. I, I do too. For That's God's sake, I'm careful. not that. It's like ageism. I'm not that old. Okay. I know I've got. Um, I'm, right. So to me, I'm, the I'm hip. Have you ever Let's streamed? Go. Have you ever? Shut up. <laughs> That's to me, you know, what three is in its infancy? I, I know it's gotten a lot of press, but the technology is only going to get better. Devices for it, like Ledger, are only going to improve and make it more accessible for everyone. And it's going to, we're going to be in a digital age where, in my opinion, social security cards, birth certificates, housing deeds, car, car deeds are all going to be on the blockchain and, you know, so bound to your persona. And, you know, maybe one day you won't have to bring a driver's license to the airport to fly. Sorry, passport. Like maybe you'll be able to just show an NFT and they can verify on a blockchain and show that it's yours. Well, you probably remember the Super Bowl in 2021. There was a lot of like crypto commercials. Yes. And everybody was hearkening back to like the late 90s and the dot-com bust. And like some of that came to fruition, but like we'll get beyond that is what you're saying. And then over time, we'll get to a place where it's not, people don't think of fraud when they think of this. They 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 think of the future. Yes. I think so. And I think education is half of it. I think the other half is just the UX and the experience. I mean, we spent the last 30 years perfecting what now feels like really simple things like a form. You're on your iPhone and you just tap your name and it fills in. You tap your address and it fills out. Your credit card is saved or Apple Pay. I, you're, it's so easy. We've taken steps backwards in Web3. Not because we wanted to, but I think we had to. There's just new, new and weird things. There's browser plugins and you're signing a transaction because you're holding your own assets and you're not using a bank card at sometimes. So there's a lot of effort to be made there. People are always like, how do, how do we get more adoption? I'm like, just make it look and feel like web two because that's what people are used to, yep. but keep the magic underneath. But it's got to just work like it does today for everything else. It can't be quite so complicated. Yeah, but to Eugene's point, if the end state is, it's not a CD with 10 songs. It's your phone with 10,000. It's, 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 it's a much better place. It is, but it's a leap. Yeah. It's a leap. And Look, I have to admit, time. I used a subway card on the way here and Daisy he from did. my office I mean, made fun of me. You swiped? Really yeah, yeah, I swiped. Right. Is that like amazing? I, didn't I even tried know to say could... it was like retro or something. Everyone took out their phones and Apple paid the yeah. shit out of it. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And you've got yeah. your watch. You could use yeah. your watch. Yeah, well, I'm going to use my watch on the way home. Can you just show me before I go down the other? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, don't get me started on New York infrastructure. It, it is a fucking joke compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. And I don't see people calling uh, New York Transit a scam, you know? Um, Fair point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think we're really in infancy, right? Like maybe five years ago, people were still printing tickets to go to a concert. And now almost everyone uses mobile tickets. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, and that probably improved as phones improved as, you know, uh, Live Nation and Ticketmaster figured out how to make that process better. I mean, now I, I don't even print out tickets to go to the airport. Right. I, I literally have each airline has their own app. Yep. That didn't exist five years ago. Like in terms of its efficiency. So I truly believe that as long as there are companies like Ledger and Dispatch improving the UX and UI and uh, just 
the overall customer experience, Web3 is the future of e-commerce. That's a pretty loud sound bite. <laughs> oh, it's a nice sound bite. But, but I, the, the, what appeals to me about this is the potential that it, it allows the use of the technology to empower people to exercise greater autonomy than they're able to do now in the context of just sort of responding to whether it's merchants or, you know, political parties or kind of whatever it is. I mean, sort of across the spectrum, really kind of exercise more control over their own how they use the technology themselves. There are a lot of legitimate use cases where it is a superior way to perform the transaction. Right. But then there's just a lot of speculation and financial engineering, too. Are we nearing the end? Can we ask them the questions? I guess we can. Yeah. I mean, we, at we this point, I have guys. to believe, I, I don't know about Eugene, um, Byron certainly has to be prepared for the question. I don't know that he's particularly excited about getting a, a pair of fucking well, socks, but um, yes. We ask we, every guest this we question. We do. Unless there's crypto movies out there that I don't know about, we ask every guest, cliche, but we say, what's your favorite Wall Street movie and why? Favorite Wall Street movie, not with Spider-Man and why? <laughs> You you look like you were not anticipating this question. Like it was well, it's not, not on the question list. But I didn't well, I know a it's not. Question. But he's know, like, but listen to some of the yeah, podcasts. I just can't believe that he wouldn't. Have. I've reviewed the list a couple times, and I was focused on the list. So. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Favorite movie? No, no, no. It, it's it's not exactly Wall Street movie, but the game with Michael Douglas. Yeah, it's a great I, movie. I think he's like an investment banker. The game. Yeah, his brother gave him this crazy birthday present. Has anybody else picked that? No. Oh, you're the first. That's really good. But I think he's an investment banker, and he has a shower in his office. And I was pretty young when I saw it. I think I was in high school. And you I want was... us to put a shower in the dispatch office? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one in the, in, the, in the gym. This would need to I've be. I've seen crazier <laughs> shit in our room. Done. Byron, we appreciate you, I was, but that's a, a, a bit too far. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I want to be an investment banker. Mm -hmm. I want to fucking shower in my office. <laughs> Um, Might be one of the best answers we've ever gotten. Yeah. No pressure, Eugene. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Wall Street movies. Uh, no one looks like me ever stars in Wall Street movies. Um, I like Wolf of Wall Street, but mainly because I think Leo's a transcendent actor. And I think something that's telling is that even at the very end, he wasn't truly punished for what he did. That is true. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We won't get political. <laughs> Very good. Any, any any parting statements or LFG? I, I mean, that's. A <laughs> is, do you know the lingo? No, yeah. uh, no idea. Let's fucking it's no, let's no. fucking go. That's just yeah. sort of the, yeah. the the motto for dispatch. And I just week. do what I do when my kids speak and I laugh and pretend <laughs> I know. Something we've been saying at uh, Ledger recently is uh, trust yourself, and uh, again, that's what we believe in, and uh, we think our device, and I think. Uh, Crypto and NFTs allows you to do that if you're educated. Cool. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us. Oh, Boxes and Lines. Over and out. Goodbye. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Daisy Clace. With support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. Digital Asset Communications, LLC, or Dispatch is a wholly owned subsidiary of IEX Group Incorporated and is operated separately from IEX Group's other businesses. 
The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. Thank you.